Folks, I started this podcast for one reason. It's that if you're at a low spot and you've got pressures bearing down, but you've got a purpose that you're trying to maintain, I want you to know that you can overcome it. And so the guests that I have are designed to share that with you. And you are about to meet someone who just lives it, has been there, has done it, and is doing it. And uh, if you need a little bit of motivation, now's the time. Ken Guest is next. heat is on. Let's get cooking. This is Purpose Under Pressure, sharing stories of why we're here and how we fight to make that why happen. We are in our third season. And folks, if you like this show enough to come back and listen, can you tell someone maybe about it? Can you hit the follow button or subscribe, maybe leave a review? It's important that you do that so that others can know that this show might help them as well. So let's do that. Purpose Under Pressure is brought to you in partnership with Sandler by the Ruby Group. They are serving sales professionals nationwide from their Akron, Columbus, Ohio, and Jacksonville, Florida locations. You know, selling is an art. Business management is an art. You've got to do it right. It's at the heart of everything you do. And so if you're going to do it, do it on purpose with Sandler by the Ruby Group. Check them out online at therubygroup.sandler.com. And speaking of Sandler by the Ruby Group, I am thrilled to bring Ken Guest, who is the Chief Revenue Officer and owner at Sandler by the Ruby Group. And he's going to be our guest today. And I'm so excited to share with you a lot about purpose and a lot about pressure. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Really, really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you being on the show. I also appreciate Sandler by the Ruby Group and all you guys. I appreciate what you do. It's one of the reasons you I wanted you to be a partner with me on this show, because I've been a part of your group for a long time. And I know that what you do is not just a, 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 a set it and fix it and go quick fix. It's based on what we're trying to do in life, what we're trying to do as sales professionals or as a business and what we're trying to accomplish and how can we help others help you and help everybody do it the right way. And I just think that's the definition of purpose under pressure. And so when I asked you folks to be a partner in this, uh, you were, you were uh, gracious enough to do so. And I thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we enjoy, enjoy the partnership as well. I think, you know, one of the things we're completely passionate about with our company is just um, always having clients feel like what they invest with us is an ant compared to what they're getting in return. Hmm. And, and so that's that's where we had kind of have a relentless pursuit of of that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love the fact that you guys, when you talk about relentless pursuit, you guys have a purpose as well. Your 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 companies really mean something to you. Your 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 customers, your clients, mm -hmm. their success is everything to you. I've seen it and I've felt it. Is that something? And then we'll just talk real quick about about Sandler and Ruby. Is that something you guys do kind of on purpose to make the business grow, or is it something that's seated down deep inside of you guys that just oozes out? Well, it's actually, um, I think it's seated down deep inside of us, but yeah. we actually turned that into a mission statement for our company, which is we are an organization that seeks to give more than we receive. And, yes. and that's just, so, you know, I'm proud to say that the majority of my clients are personal friends now over the years. And I think, I think the rest of our team can say the same thing because we view it as a partnership and a long-term relationship. Yeah. And, and that makes for a perfect segue into what we want to talk about. We're talking about purpose and we're talking about pressure and we're talking about you. And I'm interested before we start, tell me a little bit about you, Ken. Tell me a little bit about your purpose and why you kind of swing your feet up out of the bed in the morning and put your shoes on and go do what you do. What are you trying to accomplish? What's important to you? You know, two things come to mind. One is I have a, I have an innate desire to be successful and have a I hate to use this word, but have a relatively normal life. 
And, and really what that comes from is um, I, I did not have a normal childhood. I had a, I was an only child. I was one of those classic latchkey kids that was opening the door to coming home from school when I was six years old because my parents had split up and um, truly I was the, I was the one that took a village to raise me. You know, it was my, my grandparents chipping in and all these other people chipping in. And so I learned at a very young age to rely on a lot of other people in my life besides just mom and dad. And I, because I had to, I didn't have a choice. And it wasn't that I had a bad childhood. I didn't, um, I don't want to say that, but it wasn't the normal, um, have birthday parties every year and, you know, all that kind of stuff that, that wasn't part of my, my growth. And so as a child, I always said to myself, you know, when I become an adult, I want to be successful enough that I could have that, that I could, you know, have a nice home and have kids that get all the things that maybe I didn't get. And I don't want to sound like, like a, you know, woe is me. Cause that's not it at all. I don't feel that way. I, I, you know, have never felt that way. But so I think one of my desires or one of my purposes is to strive to have that for my children that maybe I didn't have and have that for my spouse that I didn't have necessarily. But the other thing I think equally as important is I learned at a young age, um, don't ever be a victim. And so my purpose is as much about what I don't want to be. I don't want every, I don't want anybody to ever say, you know, Ken's crying in his soup or whatever. And, and cause he can't have what he wants. That's on me. You know, I, I always subscribe if it's meant to be, it's up to me, you know? And, and so my purpose is really twofold. One to have that normal, call it normal family unit and successful upbringing for my kids. But also what I don't want is, is equally drives me is don't ever, don't ever make excuses. I, I have a policy in my house that my kids can't, can't use the phrase. I can't. Yeah. And, and because I'll tell them, look, you're choosing not to, that's your choice. I think it's interesting that you're talking about your purpose as how you're going to handle things, but isn't it perhaps more about your family and your kids? I'm hearing that it's, it's, it's a normalcy for you, but it's also maybe even more important that they get to experience that instead. And I'm wondering, do you think they are? And we're going to talk about how you got here, but you are here and you have mm -hmm. developed this for your family and good for you. Do they know it? Yeah. And, and I don't know if this was on purpose or on accident. And I give my wife a lot of credit for this, but all my kids have my, my kids are 17 and 12 now, and they have a true appreciation for what they have in life and uh, the gifts that the gifts that, God has given them the gifts that we have given them. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. It is about my family, but being an only child, there's a selfish element to, you know, I, I had a family member tell me at a very young age, you only get one shot at this life. It's not a dry run. So, so don't, don't let it slip away. So there, there are a lot of things that are on Ken's bucket list that selfishly Ken wants to do. And if my family gets to come along for the ride, then that's great. So I don't want to say it's all about them, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, but certainly the focus is I want them to have some of the things that I never got. And, um, and, 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 you know, it's fun to watch. How much of what you do now for others, because salespeople, that's kind of what they want too. They, they become salespeople for a reason. They want some of the better things they want, you know, those yeah. selfish things. Now, of course they'll say, I want to help people. And I get that, but how much of what you help people do comes from the ability, the realization that you were able to make that happen for yourself? 
Well, it's, it's funny you bring like my first major in college before I switched my major was education because I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a sports coach, not okay. necessarily because I wanted to be a teacher. Um, once I found out what the starting salary was for teachers back in the late eighties, early nineties, when I was going through college, I decided to go into business. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but it kind of comes full circle now because now I get to go out and, and have the benefits of sales and commissions to try to earn the kind of money and have the lifestyle I want to have. But at the same time, I get to help people. And, you know, I always say we all get our needs met somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm very blessed to to get my needs met by helping other, making me feel better about me by helping our clients and watching their lives get better, you know, as they have successes. Yeah. And, and that is purpose. And so now we know what drives you Ken, and I think it's amazing and I've seen you in action and, and it oozes out of you. And I think that's amazing. Um, let's talk about pressure because I know it hasn't always been this way. Can yeah. you share with me a little bit about how you got here? Some of the pressures you were able to overcome and, and some of the things that, uh, that you had to do to make this uh, kind of come true for yourself. Yeah. So I uh, got into sales when I was 24 years old, uh, shortly after college and, um, in a family business and had a good run there 14 years, um, a family member introduced me to Sandler, introduced me to uh, to that whole dynamic as a client. So I started to fall in love or drink this this uh, Kool-Aid, so to speak. Yeah. And um, in 08, we had some difficulties and I needed to leave the family business. And um, I left voluntarily. The business was struggling. Uh, the recession was coming. I was going to um, say in 08, that's not yeah. a great time. But No, okay. there were a ton of things going on between the economy and the family business, and I just needed to move on. And so um, it was, a, I, I had two pivotal years in my life. It was 08 when I made that decision to leave. And it was, um, you know, being a family business, there was extra challenges around that because I obviously wanted to see the family business do well uh, in spite of me not being there. But I knew for my own sanity and pressure, if you will, that I, I, I needed to move on. And then, um, 2011, here I am 41 years old and kind of floundered around for three years, trying to keep my head above water during the recession, afraid to leave the industry that I had been in my whole adult life. And 2011 comes along and I remember my wife coming out and saying to me, you know, are you having fun doing this? Cause I'm not, and we're miserable and we're barely making our house payment and we're doing my best to keep my house and you know, I had my kids were five years old and six months old at the time. Did you stay in that job, Ken, from 08 to 11? So I went and went and did something independently for a few years. Did something in seven. It wasn't working. Okay. Yeah. I missed that. So, okay. So I left the family business in 08. And then for those three years, I had an independent contract, which was kind of interesting. Okay. Um, I stayed in that industry. I was contracted by a gentleman who sold a different product mm-hmm. to the same industry. And he said, um, I want you to go recruit the best sales for the best sales force in the country for me, independent reps. And then I want you to go do ride alongs with them. And so in 2009, every other week I was on an airplane for 26 weeks out of 52. And my son was three years old at the time. My daughter wasn't even born yet. We were down to one car. Uh, my wife, uh, stayed home and took care of the house and, and, and our son and, uh, she would take me to the airport on Mondays and come oh home on gosh. Fridays. And invariably, the, the the silver lining in that, 
because nobody was buying in that industry that was in the hospitality industry. So nobody was buying. So even though I did recruit probably the best independent rep force in the country, um, nobody was placing orders. So I wasn't making any money because I was on a commission. But the silver lining, I guess, for me was that what I was invariably doing was recruiting them and then doing ride-alongs and teaching them how to sell using Sandler. Yeah. And, and so I realized the desire of that. And then, you know, and then we fast forward to 11, uh, that contract was done. Um, I was doing various independent things to keep my house. And as I described earlier, you know, I wasn't going to be a victim. There was no way I was going to look my kids in the eye and my wife in the eye and say, we have to downsize because dad didn't make it. That wasn't happening. So we get to 2011 and find out that my father has stage four lung cancer and I'm an only child. I was his sole support network. Um, So I have that. I've got a five-year-old, a six-month-old, a mortgage that I couldn't afford. And and my wife says, I'm miserable. I hope uh, I hope you are too in your job. So you go find something else to do. And that's when I contacted Mike Jones and the Ruby group. And he, he and I had talked previously and now probably wasn't the smartest decision at the time because it was a commission-based job and I was starting a career over at 41. But that's the move I made. So let's talk about that. Your wife's miserable. You're miserable. I'm not going to dig too deep into that, but that can't have been fun. No. The opportunity comes along for a commission-based sale. And looking back at it now, you're like, wow, thank God, that was amazing. Yeah. But at that moment, can you can you run me back to that first day on the job when you're like, man, everything is broken and I'm heading into this thing and I am just sunk. Was it that low? It was, it was what am I doing? It was, this is like, I had a passion for Sandler. I had a passion to work with Mike Jones because of his integrity yeah. and, and trustworthiness and our friendship. Um, I had a passion to, you know, we say in this, in this sales business, this sales training business, you either, you, you sell so you can train or some people train so they can sell. Why was the person that loved to sell first? And, and Mike always said, those are the people that are going to be wildly successful in this business. If you have a passion to go make the sale. So I had that. And for the entire career that I had in the hospitality industry, I never really had a passion for what I was selling. So here I am with an opportunity to have a passion for what I'm selling because I believe in Sandler. I had a passion to make the sale. I had a passion to coach and lead people and help make them better. It all lined up. The only thing that didn't line up was how am I going to make any money in this in the first couple of years and to keep my, to keep my house and my, you know, all that. So that was, that was the challenge. I'm interested in the conversation you had with Mike Jones when you were deciding to come aboard because Mike just won't take anybody. He, he won't set you up for failure. He's the rock of Gibraltar when it comes to doing the right thing. He yeah. brought you on. What did he tell you that made you feel like you could do it? Because he wouldn't have brought you on if he didn't think you could pull it off. So two things happened. Um, first thing that happened in our conversations and this, I have to harken back to something that, that, um, I think you're aware of uh, from our past conversations, but when I left the family business in 08, um, I was, you know, I was in a dark place, dark place with my family, uh, dark place with a lot of things, but I knew for my own sanity and, and physical well-being, it was a move I needed to make. Um, I got a handwritten note in the mail in 2008, about two weeks after I had resigned. 
And I opened it up and didn't have a return address on it. I opened it up and it said, Ken, what you did took massive guts and it was the right thing to do. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, you know, to, you know, the first person you better call. And it was signed Mike Jones. Wow. And, and as you know, Mike is, um, at least on the surface, not the most, not, not like it come, doesn't come across as a sentimental guy, Yeah, <laughs> but, but he is, he really is. Um, yeah. but so here we go. Fast forward three years later when my wife's miserable and I'm miserable and she says, we got to do something different. And we considered moving, relocating. We considered everything. Yeah. And she pulled that card out of our desk drawer and she doesn't save anything. She's not a saver of papers. <laughs> and she pulled that card out and said, I think you should go talk to him. We can trust him. Wow. And so I text him and I said, are you still looking for somebody? And he said, if it's you, yes, that's Mike. Yep. And he said, because you've been, you've been in Sandler actually longer than I have. And, and I know you can do this. And, and as you said, um, Mike doesn't take anybody. And so when he said that to me, I know you can do this. I was like, well, this is, this is it. I mean, I I've got to go because if he's telling me I can do it, then I know I can really do it because he, he would be, he would rather be the one to set the bar low and, and, right. and not set expectations, right. you know, not be Mr. Positive that, Oh, you're going to come sell a million dollars in your first year when that's not reality. He's very much a realist. And so when he said that, I thought, okay, I can do this. And, and so that was, that was, there wasn't much of an interview from there. It was, it was really up to me. Like, am I willing to take this leap of faith? See on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're going to lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. And it's commission only. Commission so there's, only. There's, there's no, I mean, you're going to have to make it happen. So what happened? So I jumped in in June of 2011. I did have a small business that I had kind of started um, in that three-year independent phase that um, I found a, a different family member to actually buy it off me. It wasn't a lucrative sale by any means. But I, so I really was part-time at the Ruby Group from June until December, transitioning this other business over and also taking care of my father. Um, unfortunately I lost him in November of 11 and then in January of 12, um, is when I really jumped in with both feet. So I had a little bit of money coming in from the, from the sale of this other business, made a couple of sales that first six months, but not a lot by any stretch of the imagination. And then really put my foot on the gas January of 12. Um, that first year I did not make enough to even make our house payment for the entire first year of, of 2012. I was drawn from every resource I had. <laughs> Let's put were, it that way. You were getting better, but you weren't hitting better. it. What was yeah. your wife thinking? Well, you know, again, I have to give her so much credit. She's been around me since 2003. Yeah. And I've been around Sandler, exposed to Sandler since 98. So 
by default, she's been around Sandler since she met me. <laughs> and I would come home on Fridays. There were a lot of times come home on Fridays and say no paycheck. And um, she said, did you do your behaviors? Did you do the things that you know you have to do for us to be successful? And I said, yes. And she goes, we're going to make it. Now, wow. jokingly, wow. she said to me a couple of years later, like I had to say that or you would have jumped off the cliff. But I was scared to death. Yep. And I was doing uh, Mondays and Tuesday, my first year, Mondays and Tuesday nights. So I'd work all day, come home, have dinner with the kids, go to the basement until 10 o'clock every Monday and Tuesday night and type prospecting emails and put them in the drafts folder. And out they went at eight in the morning and whatever I had to do and uh, started to build a little bit of a book of business. Um, wasn't back to making the kind of money that I could say I was even self-sustaining until my third year here, till 24. 2014. So I had, um, you know, savings and things like that, that, that was dwindling quickly. Um, but again, it, you know, I, I made some in retrospect, you might call them dumb decisions in saying that, you know, I could have downsized my house and I could have done some things that would have stemmed the tide a little bit. And I just, I wasn't willing to do it. Yeah. Well, and, you said at the beginning of the show, your purpose was a sense of normalcy. That's what you wanted. And you just weren't, you might not have thought about it then, but I can hear it now. Yeah. You just weren't willing to give up on something that was driving you. And what was your purpose? Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. So I just kept fighting, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of de determination and maybe, maybe, maybe dumb at times, but, um, but you know, it's, it's what I felt I needed to do. Yeah. And how long have you been with, with uh, Sandler and the Ruby Group? So now now we're over 12 years. Over 12 years. Any pressures in the middle that came? So you you you, you overcame the, the supreme challenge of being as low as you can. Thank God you had people who believed in you, yeah. maybe even more than you believed in yourself. You had your wife, you had Mike, and they, and, and they brought you up. Yeah. And then you took it from there. Yeah. Anything else happened in the middle that, that kind of shook your faith a little bit? Yeah, so 14 was another interesting pivotal year. And as as I get, I just said my first year that I was self-sustaining and making enough money that I could we could pay the bills, you know, and, and still weren't, you know, weren't banking a lot of savings by any stretch of the imagination, but but we were we were able to be self-sustaining in 2014. And and two things happened in 2014. One, um, I do an annual, I'm very much a um, and, and I would any of your listeners, if they're in sales very much my advice is very much be a student of your own game. And, and what I mean by that is like, I was a, I was a statistics geek in sports when I was a little kid, you know, looking at batting averages and things like that. And so I was always into numbers. And so I've very much been a student of my game in sales too. So looking at my business, you know, what's my average sales size, you know, how many deals do I need to close? How many behaviors do I need to do? I was always had that information at the, on the tip of my tongue at all times. One of the conclusions I came to in 2014 is you have a problem on your hands, Ken, because three of your clients represent about 80% of your business. Okay. And if any one of those clients would go away now, I felt like I had solid relationships with all of them and I did. But if any one of those relationships went away, man, I'm back to not even being self-sustaining. So I had to purposely uh, really figure out how to fix that in 2015 and going forward. But 
The other thing that happened is in 2014, one of my mentors and friends, uh, who's the CEO of a, of a very large company came to me with a job opportunity. And, um, it was incredibly lucrative. Um, it would have set us up for life. And, but it was something that I wasn't passionate about by any stretch of the imagination. I was going to go back into selling a product that I wasn't passionate about yeah. leading a sales force to do that. Um, but you know, so lots of conversations at home about, about what's the right decision. And because it was literally triple the money. Can you and, take me behind the scenes of that a little bit? I'm interested in, in those conversations. Yeah. So, you know, the initial conversations with my wife in particular were, this is the opportunity. This is what I would do. This is how much I would make. Um, this is how much I could make. This is the role I could ascend to. Uh, because there, there potentially was an opportunity to ascend to lead the company that, that I was being offered this job at as my mentor, uh, was going to step away and retire, um, at some point within the next few years. So there was all that opportunity and the initial discussions with my wife were, um, she kind of said, I think we have to do this. Like, like this fixes a lot of ills, you know, and yeah. fixes a lot of what we went through the last six years. Yeah. And, and it fixes it quickly. And I said, but I don't have a passion for it. I don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I, and I love what I'm doing now. I'm just not where I need to be yet. And, um, and she, she definitely saw that side of it too, because she knew how much I enjoyed it. She knew how much that we as a family trusted Mike Jones and, and the Ruby group. So there was that factor, not that we didn't trust this other gentleman either. That's the other thing was that the guy that was offering me this is somebody I had the utmost respect and trust for. And what really swung it was um, I had another mentor that was a client of mine and the CEO of a very large company. And he, we had become fast friends through our business relationship. And um, I just loved pinging ideas off of him. And so I called him one day and I said, I, can we have breakfast? And he said, sure. And I, so I went there and I told him what was going on. And I thought for sure that he would say, you're crazy. You got to take it. And the advice he gave me, which was invaluable. And we still talk about it nine years later uh, when I see him, but he said to me, um, do you have a passion for this other thing? And I said, no. And he said, do you have a passion for what you're doing now? I said, yeah. He's like, how much are you making now? I told him, how much could you make there? And I told him, and he said, his next question was, is there anybody in the Sandler world, not necessarily at the Ruby group, but is there anybody in the Sandler world that you know, that is making the kind of money that you're being offered at this other job? And I said, yeah, there's some people out there. Okay. And, and so then his next comment was, um, are they markedly better than you? in how they deliver training and coaching and, and business advice to their clients. When you see them on stage, when you see them with their clients, from what you know of them, are you looking at them saying, I could never be that good? And I said, there's maybe one or two that I, that I don't know if I could ever get there. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, no, there's a lot of people in the Sandler world that are making the kind of money that I want to make and delivering the services that I want to deliver to clients that, when I look at them, I think, you know, are they really that much better than me? And I, I can the answer is no. Yeah. And he said, well, what's the difference hmm. between you and them? And the common denominator was just years in the business. 
That was the common denominator. They had just done it longer than me. And they had built their referral network, if you will, and things like that. And he goes, so my advice is keep doing what you're doing. And so I went home and told my wife what he said. And we thought about it and we were like, that's the right advice. And so I stayed. You know, and, 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 and it's so good that you did and, and you're, you're, you're doing things so well now and you're living your passion and you're passionate about what you do and you're successful. And I'm interested. I'm going to turn this a little bit because there are people out there listening. It's why I do this show. I want to inspire people who are in the same boat. They're, they're, they're at the bottom and they want to get to the top, but they don't know how to do it. I think you're going to inspire them, but I'm interested. It seems to me that a lot of the pressures that you've overcome, you have not done on your own. You had a a, a, a mentor or a rope or, or, or something, somebody, either Mike or your wife or this person that, that you were leaning, pulling you up. And I think we need that. And mm-hmm. I'm interested if, if, am I reading that right? Is that idea of looking to someone else, how important is that to you? Can you look back and see that? Oh, throughout my life. I mean, when I said earlier about how I was raised with the, you know, the village mindset of being raised by many, many people, you know, friends and neighbors and grandparents and everybody else, I had to ask for help. Yeah. And, and so it was always ingrained to me that people want to help people. And so I had, I had a mentor prior to Sandler who was a client who was a business owner and, um, learned a lot off of him. I still talk to him to this day. Um, found some in, obviously in this business, you know, I have two that I just mentioned, um, the one that offered me the job and, Mm -hmm. and the other one that told me not to take the job. And by the way, those two are friends. And and so, but, uh, and then, but there's a lot of things and, you know, there's a, there's a workshop that we teach when we talk about, um, asking for help. And I ask the question to people. How many times a month do people ask you for help? And people will come up with whatever number they come up with, especially if they're in a leadership role. And then I reverse the question and say, do you ask for help an equal number of times? Because if you don't, you should. Mm -hmm. And so it was perfectly normal for me to not be afraid to reach out and say, I know you're a client and you're paying me money, but I need your help. And and it shows a little bit of humility, but it's just being honest. I mean, I, I wasn't doing it for any reason other than I need, needed their help and, and finding there's other people in the Sandler world that, that, you know, do I talk to them on a regular basis from a mentorship standpoint? Not necessarily, but there's friends in other locations in Sandler that I could call at a, on a moment's notice and say, am I doing the right thing here? Yeah. And, and they would tell you and, and unfiltered advice, which is what you need. And I think people need accountability partners and, uh, you know, I have a few of those. I have one in particular that I, we talk four or five days a week, um, even for five minutes about what we're working on. And it's all areas of your life. It's not just business, but then that bleed, that accountability partnership bleeds into your physical health and your other things like that. We have a group here in our office with, with five of us that are on a text, a daily text on physical health uh, goals that we're setting. But I think we all need that because left to our own devices, it's easy to make excuses as to why you're, you know, you don't need to do, you don't need to work out this morning or you don't need to, um, you know, eat the right thing every day. But if you have people that you're held accountable to, then it, it helps with that. And I think, I think we all need that. And so the last question I'll have for you then is, I know the mentors that we need in life have to be matched 
right with what we're trying to accomplish. And they have to, we have to choose that wisely, but I'm going to give you a chance to be a mentor for everybody out there. If, if they're in a spot where they're just seeing the pressure and it's overwhelming a little bit, and they're not sure what to do next, they're not sure what decision to make, do I make the right decision, wrong decision, any decision, what would you say to some folks that are in the same position that you were in now that you've kind of overcome a lot of these pressures, what would you say to help them? So the very first thing I would say is first, are you taking care of your own business? And, and, and here's why I say that, um, I cannot be the best mentor for people at times because, um, I'm the guy that if you come to me for help and I see that you're not taking care of your own business first of things that are in your control, I'm not so, I'm not so warm and fuzzy. And because I, I feel like, like I got to take care of my stuff first and bust my butt. And if I'm busting my butt and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then when I reach out to a mentor for help, they, they'll see that. Yeah. They yeah. see that right away. Mm-hmm. And if they see that and it's a person that that you respect and admire, it can be a client, it could be a coworker, it could be a colleague, it could be a family member. It doesn't have to be any one particular person. But I would say, make sure you're taking care of your business, making sure you're doing the things that are in your control that you know will make you more successful. And then do not be afraid to reach out for help because at least in my mind, if I see somebody that's really, really trying hard, but they're not having the success they want, I'm open arms. I'll help. I'll help all day. I just need to see that you're making the effort and doing what you need to be doing first. It's amazing advice and it's, and it's helpful. And uh, I appreciate your sharing it. And uh, I think it's amazing that I hope people notice Ken's not talking about sales gimmicks or here, try this first, try it. I mean, he's talking about principled things that can make a real difference, not just in your sales life, but in your, your, your personal life and, and everything's yeah. kind of wrapped around together. And I, and I thank you for sharing that. Ken, if I'm out there listening, I want to reach out and talk to you and figure out how you can help me too. So if people wanted to reach to you, how would they do so? Feel free to email me at ken.guest at sandler.com. They can see our website that you mentioned earlier, the Ruby group dot sandler.com. Um, I'm, open, open to, uh, help anybody that might, uh, might reach out. That's Ken Guest, folks. He has been there. He has fought the wars. He has, uh, lived through it on purpose and has maintained his purpose. And if you get a chance to talk with him and, and if you get a chance to dive in deep, uh, you'll see that it's not just about dollars and cents, but it's about the rewards that come with living a good life and doing things the right way. And there's nothing wrong with the success that comes along the other side of that. And you're living that. Ken, thank you for being a guest on Purpose Under Pressure. I can't thank you enough for being uh, being here. Brian, truly appreciate the time. Always enjoy spending time with you. Thanks for having me. That's Ken Guest, folks. He's a, he's a legend at Sandler by the Ruby Group, and not just because of uh, of what he does, but how he does it. And if you get a chance, you'll figure it out when you talk to him. He's the chief revenue officer and owner at Sandler by the Ruby Group, my guest on Purpose Under Pressure. It is brought to you by the same. Those folks are tremendous. They all bleed that purpose. And you need to reach out if you need some of that for your organization. So we thank Sandler by the Ruby Group for being a partner in Purpose Under Pressure. You'll find all past episodes of Purpose Under Pressure at brianmediastrategies.com slash podcast and wherever you stream your podcasts. We do this every week and we will see you next time on purpose. 